This is Fundraising Radio, and today's a guest speaker. We have Brandon Walker, Venture Fellow at GoPaladin. And this episode will mainly talk about Brandon's work with founders, and his main work is educating founders on you know, speaking to investors and teaching the investors on what the company does. So we'll talk about making research on your competitors, preparing the pitch deck, and presenting that to the investors. So Brandon, let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on GoPaladin. Okay, yeah, so so a little bit of background about myself. Um, I, um, I guess I can start with just a university stint. So I went to Stanford, got a master's, or I got a bachelor's in bioengineering, got a master's in chemical engineering. Um, I did a lot of bio work before and during that, um, and so I was really heavy in the lab work world, um, worked with like Lincoln University, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia doing clinical research. Um, I ended up working at Slack, the linear accelerator at Stanford, um, but after all that research, I kind of realized that there was more to life and that business might be more compelling. So um, in, my, in my tail end of Stanford, I did what I like to joke as a, as a bootleg MBA, where I took a bunch of courses in venture and business and entrepreneurship to um, kind of get my sea legs on, on that um, facet of the world. And um, mm-hmm. doing that, um, and I, amongst a few other entrepreneurial things, took me to venture. Um, and I worked for a while at a, at a quant venture firm um, where basically we wrote algorithms to do our company sourcing. Um, and, and so kind of as a general premise is that if you're a good company, um, you shouldn't need a warm introduction or a cold call to an investor. Um, to be able to get funding, right? It should be inherently obvious that your company is good. So based on app traffic or web traffic, right? If you are truly a good company, you will be in the top one percentile of visible growth from from a regular person standpoint. And so that was Mm -hmm. a huge focus of what we were working on is is writing algorithms to kind of capture these um, distinct points of growth, not just from explicit ways, but there's a variety of implicit ways that we used to do as well. But ultimately what that informs me is, is, kind of a, a no BS form of investing where, um, you know, I'm, I'm a data-driven person, I'm an engineer by trade. And so I look for absolute fundamentals um, and things that, that drive a constructive, compelling case as opposed to a theoretical, hypothetical guess and check case. Um, and so the learnings I got from that experience um, took me a little further in the world of venture. And so now I work with GoPaladin, which is a venture adjacent firm that primarily partners with um, diverse founders, everything from women to just generally underprivileged founders, um, and and works with sharpening them on on their pitches and their preparation for joining this journey. So primarily seed, I'm um, pre-seed companies are, are what I coach, um, and yes, I, I help I help them um, make sure that they've crossed crossed their T's and dotted all their I's. Mm-hmm. Got it. So. Um... Next question is, what do you invest in? So what does uh, GoPaladin invest in? So you mentioned that usually it's someone, uh, you know, underrepresented. Can you be more specific in that? Is that like, are you focusing on female founders? Or are you focusing on, uh, what do you focus on basically? Right, so, so in, my, in my past venture experience, I was working at a, a Series A sweet spot fund. Um, they would do a little Series B, um, a little bit of C, but the goal was, was you know, $3 million checks at the A range. Um, and now GoPaladin um, officially at the at the time is not officially a fund. Um, but like I said, we are a venture adjacent fund, which means we just, we work with people and, and introduce them to, to venture capitalists. We introduce them to connections and advisors and things like that. So we think of kind of the benefits of Y Combinator or something like that, um, just currently without the, without the check. 
So all of the advice that you would get, the things that actually founders so often um, have access to, right? It's like, what are VCs thinking? What are VCs talking about? Like, what are the what are the tricks mm -hmm. to trade? Um, except you don't have to be shackled to some equity-driven program or, um, you know, any other kind of official program in that sense, right? And so normally, in order to get this knowledge, you have to be a part of one of those programs because they want their cohort to be exceptional and have success, right? But then no one else will tell you outside of that. Um, right. And so that's kind of our sweet spot and our magic is, is doing that, especially for, like I said, women, underprivileged founders, um, pretty much anyone who, who applies and, and um, we accept, right? But um, that's kind of a focus. Understood. So you work a lot with founders, you know, helping them to communicate with investors, helping them understand the venture world. And I imagine that's work with a lot of, you know, first time entrepreneurs or just early stage entrepreneurs. What are the major mistakes that you see them making? So one of the huge things that's actually been coming up, up a lot this week um, is that I think that there's, like I said, because there's a lack of, of real information about, about the venture world, right? There's a lot of people who make blogs and medium articles about, oh, here's how to raise money for your company. Here's how to do a pitch deck. Um, and the thing is, the, the way those things are proposed is it's a lot of kind of box checking, they're checklists that they, they make for pitch decks. And so you see a lot of pitch decks, pitch decks that look identical from company to company. Um, and if you kind of think a little deeper about that, right? A company that's doing like real estate management should have a constructively different style of pitch than someone who's making a social network, right? Um, the thing is, if you if you look at just any given seed founder, your pitch decks are probably very similar. Um, and the reason for that is, is people take the advice of these online medium blogs and they don't really think critically about what's in them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so you get a lot of people who, um, you know, they use cliches, right? So they, they have a slide somewhere in there that's like, here's the Uber for X. And there's another slide that's like, <laughs> you know, our market is worth right. a million, billion, trillion dollars, right? Like, and they have these kind of slides and you ask them, why do you have the slide? And they don't, they don't have a reason, right? They're like, oh, I just thought VCs wanted to see a hundred million dollars on the slide, right? And so um, kind of work with them to think more critically about um, why would you have a slide like that? And what's the purpose? What is, what, how does this fit into the story you're trying to tell, right? Um, so yeah, I, th I think major mistakes are like just filling up slides to fill up space and not mm -hmm. using the slides to tell a constructive story that benefits the business and the idea you're trying to tell. Absolutely. And what you mentioned is just something that hates so much, like so, so much. And I see it so, so often, which is Uber for X, like, gosh, stop that stuff. But so, so people, if you're listening to this, please do not do that. If not, that's not like something absolutely necessary for your business. Okay. So let's talk about the research of the competitors. That's something that I personally think is probably one of the most valuable, uh, you know, things in validating your ID, even, you know, at the early stage specifically. How, so how deep should people go into the research of their competitors? So how much time should they spend per company? How, how deep should they go in it? <clears throat> should they like review the pages of the founders to see what their background is? Should they go into, you know, actually get some free trial? Should they actually try to pay for the product to understand better? How, how, yeah, yeah. how precise should they be there? So, so kind of let's piggyback off the Uber for X comment, right? Um, just like, you know, let's create a story arc here, right? So if you, um, genuinely think of your business as um, some other business model transformed for some new market, right? Um, which, by the way, just it's okay to use that sometimes if you're using it correctly, right? However, um, you know, when it comes to doing research, right? Um, effectively, as a VC, 
um, I professionally know less than you, right? You're coming to me as kind of almost a, a superior person, not not superior person, but like <laughs> a potential advisor, someone who knows a lot about business and, and yada yada, um, right? So I'm going to know enough about business and about maybe I've I've heard of your 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 vertical a little bit to to be able to ask you a series of very in depth questions, but questions that are coming from a point of value, right? So I'm looking to a gain information from you about your market, and then b I'm looking to use that information kind of almost against you. To, mm -hmm. to dig deeper about your market, right? And so this is what every VC is doing, right? So they're gonna sit back and listen, and then they're going to start asking you some really targeted questions that'll make you as a founder almost think that they know more about your market than you do, right? This is what they're trying to do. So, so the thing about the research is, you know, you're coming into my office asking for a million dollars. You're claiming that you have an idea that'll that'll make you join the, the ranks of Mark Zuckerberg or those who are once removed, right? You know, these, these millionaires, billionaires, people with, great societally world-changing idea, right? If you are making that claim, which is by being in my office, that's what you're making that claim, um, and mm -hmm. yet you don't know everything about your vertical, and if I can isolate that in our 20, 30-minute chat, there's a serious problem, right? Because just asking intuitive questions to you based on the information you've shared, I've come to a, a question that you haven't thought about, right? And it, like, how am I going to trust you with a million dollars if, if you know, you haven't even done given me the respect and, and time of, of making sure that you've plugged every hole before you walked in the office, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's a serious critical error that it will almost immediately in most cases, you know, shoot you in the foot regarding getting funding, right? And so um, as far as how much research should you do, right? You should be comprehensive about all the research on potential competitors and about um, adjacent competitors, right? Things that are, oh, if they transition, they'll be overlapping with us. Um, and even some things that are completely irrelevant because the investor um, might not fully understand what you're doing and they might take a like a, a company that's in the same space, but it's not completely a competitor at all. And they might ask you about it, right? So you have to know everything that potentially, you know, even with a stretch could be related to that space. Right. You should know something about it, enough to respond to it. Um, and if you're doing e-commerce, be prepared to answer something about Amazon. Although Amazon might not be related <laughs> at all, Many VCs will just throw in Amazon just, just for the sake of it. So right, right, right. So we touched on to pitch deck shortly. We've discussed some of the major mistakes that you see on the pitch deck. What's your advice in terms of what should people put on the pitch deck? So, uh, were the major green flags that you see on the pitch deck, basically? So, so it's a general theory, um, pitching theory, if you will. Um, when you walk into my office, um, you know we're gonna shake hands and say hi or whatever. Um, but when we start the pitch, right, you have about five minutes to do a few things, okay? So first and foremost, within like 30 seconds, I need to know which topic we're talking about, right? Like, I need to be clear that we're not talking about real estate and that we are talking about e-commerce or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Then shortly after that, I should understand what problem are you solving very clearly. Like, because ultimately at the end of this talk, I need to, I need to start thinking about this problem myself while you're talking so that by 20 minutes from now, when I'm asking you questions, I will be more educated. I will be more well-versed, right? If you don't convey that problem up front to me, I'm not going to be able to get what I need, right? So I need to know that you've conveyed a clear problem. Once again, it's important for clarity, right? Shortly after, I need to know why you're working on it, right? Maybe this has to do with the business, the market, you know, a variety of things, right? But then the last question I need to check within this five minutes is why are you working on it? Um, and, and I know that's the same question as I just said, but so it's an emphasis on the you. In other words, as a, as a seed, as a pre-seed founder, 
um, I'm not investing in, you know, your company because we all know that that companies change, people pivot. You know, your hypothesis is somewhat correct, but it's probably wrong, right? So when you when you get a million dollars, right? Like when you get a million dollars from a VC, I need to know that you as a person are self-aware enough and humble enough to admit that you know what my thesis was wrong, and hopefully you're you're intelligent enough to realize that. $300,000 in instead of $900,000 in, right? And so when you realize that, now I need to know that, that you are humble enough and industri industrious enough to ask around, to get advisors on what direction is best to pivot next, right? So far more important than the business you're working on, as, a, as, a, as an early stage founder, a venture capitalist is, invest, is, sorry, is investigating you as a person and, and trying to find out what sort of person are you because it's the founder that will take this the distance. It's not the initial business plan or the pitch deck, right? So in those first five minutes, that's the boxes that most VCs are looking to check. Um, because after that, right, it's all questioning. It's about nuance. It's about deeper mm -hmm. understanding so that, you know, you know, a few hours from now when I'm on lunch break and the partner's like, oh, did you see any cool companies this morning? And I say, oh, there's this cool company that does this thing. And, and then I basically do your pitch for you to my partner. Right. In which they're like, that's cool, that's interesting, let's call them back, right? But if, mm -hmm. if I can't do that, if I can't emphatically pitch for you on your behalf to someone else at the firm, like, are you getting a phone call, right? So. Right, that's actually, that's a very valid and nice structure here. Thanks for that. So let's talk about fundraising now during this pandemic. Uh, it seems to be getting a little bit better than it was like two months ago but still pretty bad. Uh, what's your recommendation on, on this topic right now? So for founders who are trying to raise money right now during coronavirus, what's your advice to them? Yeah, so I, I think it's never been a better time to, to be starting a company. Um, obviously things might be a little dicey for you if you are um, if you were looking to raise during this period, right? Because a lot of investors are, are reevaluating re their um, I guess species, if you will, on, on how they want to invest because you know some people want to wait out the time. Some people are trying to trying to capitalize on other people waiting out, right? So um, I, I don't want to speak too much to to the timing of things, but I, I think that around Corona time, you know, here in COVID, like I think it's really important to just you know focus on the fundamentals, right? Um, you know, every, like in the end of the day, we're looking for a good business that people will hopefully see as as important and necessary to their life, to their workflow, to their hobbies or whatever, right? And like, what better time to test out those kind of theses than when, you know, people are penny pinching a bit, right? Like not all of us, you know, many of us are, are not just buying anything that we feel like buying that's within our means, right? Many of us are reevaluating our businesses and deciding what we actually need and what we don't need, right? Mm -hmm. So like, it's like it's a perfect time to say like, hey, I know that like, hey, head of sales at some company that buys every B2B SaaS that walks in the door, right? I know you guys are, are working on systematically cutting half the things that you pay for. But like, um, you know, and this is why, you know, maybe I'll do a free trial with you guys because I really think that, that you guys will get 10x value off of my product over anything else you're using, right? This is a great time to use your connections if, if you have the right ones and then you can, you know, Great time to hustle and get some connections, right? Um, also, many important people have been laid off and those kind of things. And so they're just sitting at home with their family. So they might be open to cold LinkedIn and stuff like that, right? So it's a really great time to prove your creativity and your industriousness as a founder and, and, and test some experimental business models and test um, the validity of your product with a broader audience because that audience 
has time right now. Um, and so less so about how do you raise money and more so about how do you build your company? I think there's never been a better time um, to go out and do those things. Right. I think you just put a lot of pressure on the listeners right now because many people that I've talked to, they're like, oh, yeah, our fundraising slowed down. You know, the company slowed down because of the pandemic. You're just saying that it should actually speed up. But I think you have a really valid point. Yeah. And you mentioned something that a lot of people ask me, which is, you know, gain new connections, reaching out to the people who might be your partners, who might be your investors in a year or about like two years how how would you recommend doing that is it just purely through linkedin or are there any other tools that you would recommend so so one thing and this is in all honesty and this is something obviously i share with a lot of the people i work with at go paladin because you know as we all know venture is aboundingly filled with like stanford grads and ivy league grads and those kind of things and yeah. <laughs> ex-googlers and, and all this kind of you know yeah. pretentiousness building like you know resume lines that are very pretentious and like very you know, there's about 20 of them that like make people's eyes light up and i work a lot with people who are from outside the silicon valley from people who are you know for lack of, of more proper vocabulary people with normal backgrounds right and and the thing is, you know, venture is evenly distributed. I think anyone anywhere can have a great idea, not just someone who waves a, a, a degree that for some reason the rest of society puts more weight on, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm a huge enthusiast for that. Um, and, and so, I, I don't know, I think, I think like, I don't know, I, I just, I think that when it comes to being industrious, I think that if you genuinely believe you have a good idea, Right? Like the, the unfortunate part about having a, a background that's that's not as currently melded with venture, right, is that you still might need to reach out to that billionaire, that important CEO, right? Like if you want your business to succeed and you need to call Elon Musk, like as a venture capitalist, it doesn't matter to me what your background is. I need to know that you can get to Elon Musk. Like if your business depends on him, I need to know that you can network your way to him, right? Like that's not right. my problem to figure out yours. But to, the advice on how to do it is that you know, Elon Musk is a bad example for this, but like there are a lot of people who hold high positions or lower positions that like no one contacts, right? I mean, LinkedIn is a really yeah. powerful tool. And so maybe you need to contact the head of sales at a, at a company. And maybe it's like a company that's really large, right? Maybe that guy's pretty busy, right? But he's got, you know, VPs and, and, and whatever's below a VP, right? Those other people, right? Because everyone wants to reach the head of sales, Right. There's there's a whole, you know, two tiers of people below that individual who mm-hmm. no one's reaching out to. Right. And right. so get a little creative. Right. Reach out to someone who's once removed from the person you want to reach. Right. Talk to them. Get their insight. Treat them like the VP, the CEO. Right. Because everyone wants to feel special. Right. And so many people are working so hard so that someday someone will want to come to them for advice. Right. Give them that opportunity because who knows, maybe later that day they have a meeting with the VP of sales. Mm-hmm. Say, hey, like I talked to this group and like I wish I could help them, but like I think you'd be a better fit. Are you open to a call? They'll make the introduction for you, right? Everyone yeah. out here, everyone in America is, is running the race of capitalism. We're all trying to, to level up here and there, right? People will help you out, you know, and also, also, you know, as a, as, a, as a small note, you know, people help those who are helped, right? So if you offer to help them in some way, they'll offer to help mm-hmm. you back. That's right. how the world works. And so when you want to network, when you want to hustle around, Step one, don't be afraid to be bold and reach out to anyone. But second of all, offer to give them something and see, don't they give you something in return? Absolutely. Yeah. That's exactly how stuff works. And even if though, even if you just give something, 
to someone and you don't get anything back, that's okay. You know, one day you'll meet someone who's just gonna give do the same thing to you. So yeah, yeah, don't don't be afraid to help people. We're being really altruistic in this episode, but I like it. <laughs> very very. No, what goes uh, around comes around, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Generally, generally, not that yeah, it always yeah. works. So uh, let's move on to the last. Uh, question of today's episode, which is a call to action. So what's the one specific thing that you would like the listener to do as soon as the episode is over? Um, well, obviously there might be, you know, mixed crowd as far as listeners are concerned, but I think that last point was really important is that it takes five minutes of your time to research someone who might be useful for your business, whether it be an advisor, mm -hmm. a partner, your first customer, um, a VC, anybody, right? No one is too important for you to talk to because you're out here playing in the big leagues of venture capital and finance and founding a company, right? You want to found a billion dollar company? Like we're all people, everyone's just a human, no matter what their title or their paycheck says. And so take five minutes today and go out and reach out to someone who you've never talked to. Go out and, and, and just talk to a stranger, you know, and, and, and see, see what happens. Um, you know, if you're, if you're, you're not too ready for that, next time you take an Uber, don't be afraid to pitch your company to an Uber driver or something like that, right? <laughs> every, every person you meet, that practice will help reinforce you as a founder and reinforce you in communicating your idea, right? Um, I think, I think those mm -hmm. kind of things, you know, this be, don't you know, dare to be bold because founding a company is about the boldest thing you can do. And so yeah. every practice with being bold is, 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 is a drop in the bucket of a very long road. Absolutely. And that's actually great advice right now. Everything, I mean, everything shut down. You know, can't really you know, talk to strangers that they'll just look weird. Uh, but there is internet. So don't talk to Uber drivers. Probably just reach out to someone on, on LinkedIn, as Brandon, you said. You know, reach out to someone you would never talk to, which I think is wonderful advice and that might lead to something really cool. And if it does, make sure to get back to us and say help. Thank you. Thank you for Brendan. Okay, be nice here. All right, we'll wrap it up here. And thanks a lot, Brendan, for coming up and for sharing your experience, sharing your knowledge. I think yeah. that was a really insightful episode. So thanks a lot for that. For sure. And like, and like, just for anyone who's listening, um, I mean, you guys can find me on LinkedIn. My name is Brandon Walker. More than happy to to take a call, to to chat, whatever it may be. Um, just don't be afraid to to find me and, and reach out. I might be that that stranger you meet today. So. <laughs> right, right. I'll put uh, the link to Brendan's LinkedIn in the description of the episode. So anyone, uh, hit him up. All right. 